When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So you guys all excited about our first of 42 mock drafts that we're going to do this uh, offseason? Yeah, no. This is the part of the season where fans are going to just shove mock drafts down their throat and just have to just post one on social media every other day or so it feels like. And then get mad when the mock drafts don't pan out on draft night. Uh, You know, it's, yeah, I'm not ready to see this. Uh, mock drafts are ridiculous to me. Uh, at this point in time, in the, in, in the in the equation, I should say, there's going to be listen, grading these players, seeing their measurables. That's part of it. There's going to be trades, people trading up, people trading down, especially with the Bears having the situation they have with having one and nine, and are they keeping fields? Are they not? And there's other people moving around, like whole kind. All kinds of things can happen between now and actually drafting. Uh, you know, we we may do one on this channel before we do the, um, um, you know, the combine and that kind of stuff, just to laugh at how wrong we were pre-combine to post-combine. I get so sick and tired of seeing these other guys out there. I don't mention any names. You listen to some other podcasts out there telling you. Oh, this person looked really good. This person looked really good. Why don't we identify some other things from within? So we're going to look at it a little bit differently. Unless, Tim, unless Tim, you absolutely have to do a mock draft, then we'll do one. You, you want to do one? It's February 7th. I think we should do one every week until the draft comes. Um, no. No, I don't even pay attention to the draft. Draft, you know, that's everybody's – Santa Claus shopping list, wish list, whatever you want to call it, Christmas <laughs> list. You know, I could put that list together all day long, but it ain't gonna come true. Come on, listen. Real. I I do like analyzing needs and where we can go, and as we start seeing and recognizing some players that may be in that realm of falling to us, when we saw the Senior Bowl already moved a whole bunch of people, some people mm-hmm. as many as three rounds, they're predicting. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, everybody calm down. We're not going to do a mock draft. We're not going to waste your time with that crap, but we are going to get into the show.
All right, welcome to Run Through the Jungle. I'm your host, Brandon Harry, here with your host, Justin Lacey and Tim Lyons. What's going on, fellas? Justin, how you doing? I'm just bangling around. That's what it says in my Twitter handle right there. <laughs> there it go. There it go. Always talking ball, always talking bangles, man. So I'm doing straight. Tim, how's the uh, the, the great Northwest? It is just great. It's just great, man. You know, it's it's the great wet Northwest for it's the Pacific Northwest for a reason. It's I, it's not raining, not, but it's nice. Beautiful. We're we're uh, we're supposed to hit sixty degrees in Pittsburgh tomorrow, so I don't even know what to do. So should be interesting. Should be interesting. All right. So today I wanted to start off with this. Let's not do the mock draft. <laughs> let's let's look at something a little more feasible for this time of year. And let's we, we we did the grading of the of the positions already for the Bengals. Um, I want to look at what like ranking our needs, and I mean that by position, not just position group, um, because I feel like your know, tackles different than guard, or um, defensive tackle maybe a little bit different than edge, right? But let's let's get into the position ranking of these needs that we need. And I want to look at it a little bit outside the box. Um, we're going to do it as a collective group. So I'm, we're going to go round robin, and you rate your position first, and then the next person will go second, so on and so forth. We'll just go clockwise. But um, also take into account when you're doing this, what the draft is going to give you, um, what 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 it might be available out there uh, as far as free agency, what are how big of a need is it for us? Like all these things should should kind of play into ranking these in my mind. Um, you know, last year tight end was a need. This year tight end still a need. And last year we had a great draft to get a tight end. You know, there were there was what four or five that ended up starting this year as rookies and yeah. uh, one had the most receiving yards as a tight end, you know, in, in Detroit at San Laporta. So, you know, where are these guys? Like I, I, we shouldn't have missed on all those guys, you know, mayor Musgrove Kincaid, like there, there were some of them that flew right by us and we could have had mm -hmm. instant plug and play starters instead of grooming a guy on defensive end. When I think this team is strike now, we need we need impact players immediately. So keep all those things in mind, um, Justin. I'm gonna start off with you. Rank the needs of uh, the Bengals here. I'm gonna let you start off. What position would you like to see us go to first? All right. So I'm actually going to combine the uh, threshold of using free agency and the draft and combine the two approach because here's yep. my philosophy, and this is a kind of a philosophy that I've seen across many different platforms like PFF, Pro Football Focus, the free agency pool is for filling needs on your roster, filling the holes. The draft is for finding value. You need to have a combination of both when you do enter draft night. And the reason for it is you don't want to go into the draft pigeonholing yourself into a subtle need like the Bengals did last year with tight end because then you're going to be left with nothing. And you're you're forcing yourself to tell – you're forcing to try to sell the idea into the fan base to try to get on board – that a guy like Irv Smith Jr. and company is going to pretty much just sell you on that. This is going to be product. This is going to be great. Joe Burrow's going to make them excellent. And then they ended up falling through the cracks. I mean, I hate to just, you know, point at Irv Smith Jr. because, you know, I'm sure he didn't intend to play bad, but he played bad. But I'm going to start with my top five needs and rank them from one to five, one being the most, de most dedicated need. Number one, I'm going to go with the defensive line. The defensive line is the most number one crucial need. And more specifically, interior defensive line. Okay. That run defense was not good. Even with DJ Reader healthy, it was just god-awful atrocious. And it got even worse after DJ Reader left. It wasn't good when Sam Hubbard was out for a couple of games, if I'm not mistaken. The, you missed his presence as a defensive end that was good against the run. You can't go into the season looking like that again. But also, I look at my, my pass rushers, too. And you need something a little bit more than just Trey Henderson. I think Miles Murphy will develop into your pass rusher that you need him to, but 
but you need patience because he was just a rookie and you don't know what his full growth potential can be. I think he will get there. But also it's time to have the conversation that is Sam Hubbard enough um, because I don't think that he's getting the value that you think that you are getting when it comes to pass rushing specialists. Again, I like him against the run, but I think that you need to start diving into that conversation of adding another defensive end, maybe via free agency, maybe you find that value in draft night that you can start to rotate him out. So that way you're not always using him every single down. And like I said, the interior combination of free agents need and also in the draft, you just need to do something. So that's my number one. Um, that's my number one need. I'll speed through these a little bit quicker because number two is tight end. I've already talked about a little bit before going into the list. It's self-explanatory. The tight end group, all of them are free agents this year. I will not entertain bringing anybody back with the exception of Tanner Hudson. Somehow, some way, fans have talked themselves into Drew Sample talking about how valuable he is as a blocking tight end. Well, you can get that somewhere else, too. I'm not going to sit there and dismiss the fact that Drew Sample was really an underwhelming and underperforming player for many seasons since 2019. We drafted him. He was drafted, overvalued at this point. And the only reason why we're valuing is this high because the rest of the tight end room stinks. So the tight end room is obviously number two. Number three to me, here's where it gets a little dicey because people can easily run it back, but I don't think it's running back. That is a need, but it's not number three. For me, my sneaky need is linebacker. Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. Love those guys to death, and they did deserve contracts in the offseason, this past offseason that they got, and they were rewarded for that. But their play fell off con con completely, and that's probably due to the inexperience of the secondary is what I've been hearing. But at the end of the day, it still don't change the fact that they both played bad. It could have been better. I don't know what you're going to do about that team, that position group, but you need to identify a, maybe an addition. I'm thinking Devin White. Add them in there. Maybe you change up the scheme a little bit. You always have to run a 5-2 base defense. You can add a third linebacker in the starting rotation unit to generate some pass rush from there to make sure that they can cover sideline and sign a little bit better. They can communicate a little easier. But the standard has to be elevated a little bit higher for them. And quite frankly, I'm not looking past that as a need on this team. So linebacker is number three. Number four, now I get to running back. I don't know what you're going to do with Joe Mixon, but let's say for the sheer fact that Joe Mixon remains on his team and still taking that cap hit that he is. You add around him. Stop putting all the bulk of the carries on Joe Mixon because he's not built to carry the 95% of the load. That's what that's what happened during most of the 23 season. He was just carrying so much of the weight at the running back that he, he was worn out. And when he finally was able to split reps with, with Chase Brown, then you started to see them him become a little bit more fresh. He, he started producing a little bit more. He was jumping, he was doing them jump cuts inside to the outside. He got good touchdown runs towards the back end of those games that helped Jake Browning win four out of the last seven games of him started. I think that that's what you need. You just need to add a little bit more and stop with this notion that he has to carry the bulk of the running back again. That's the that's the problem that the Bengals pigeonholed themselves into. You should have been aggressive and added more to that room, and you didn't. So that's the number number four is a sneaky need at running back. And then my final need at the position for number five. This one was tough, but I had to go here. It's wide receiver. It's wide receiver. With the honorable mention of cornerback, but they invested with young guys in the secondary, so I'm not going to go cornerback for now. But wide receiver is a sneaky need. You got Boyd out here out here is going to be a free agent. We already know the situation, circumstances regarding T. Higgins' contract. He's an impending free agent as well. But the guys after that on the depth chart, Charlie Jones, Andre Oshivas, those guys are not ready to take the bulk of the carries of the receiving room along with Jamar Chase. I personally think that you can probably invest in a veteran wide receiver along with bringing T back and, and then try to and try to that veteran. Well, if it's Tyler Boyd again, you running back with the same circle or you evolve to something different. You need to set a precedent that to these younger guys, Charlie Jones, Andre Oshivas, that and even Trey Irwin too, that this is the standard when you play wide receiver on the Cincinnati Bengals when you're playing with Joe Burrow. I don't think that this roster, the back end of the re receiving room is ready for that. So that's why that's a sneaky need for me. And if I see the Bengals draft a wide receiver, let's say in the third round or something like that, I will not be mad at it. I'm sure people will scoff at it, 
but I won't be mad. And notice I didn't bring O-line up. There's a reason for that, because I don't think the O-line as a unit needs to be replaced. It's maybe one position. And I think you can eventually fill the holes at one position. I think that you can do a better scheme, draw draw schemes to help the O-line be better. But I also think that when Jake Browning was playing, the coaching staff was able to utilize the strength of the O-line in a running game to help balance it out so Jake Browning wasn't getting hit as much. And that's why they're not on my list in the top five. So that's rounds out my list right there, man, one through five. I like compelling arguments for all that too. You know, it's definitely thought out. I, you know, this is one of those things where this is always going to lead to more debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you made me question some of my things on my list already because of things you brought up. Tim, uh, what you got? You want to give me your top five as well on uh, on needs yeah. there? Yeah. So my number one need, I, I think, is offensive tackle. I know Justin's, you know, his list is different from mine, but I believe it's offensive tackle. And, you know, we got Jonah Williams. What's going on with him? He's probably not going to resign. He's going to be going somewhere else. Um, and not just if we don't go offensive tackle either in the free agency or in the draft, I believe we'll go guard, you know, because we do need guard inside guard help. You know, Volson, he didn't do the best last year. And uh, damn it, why don't I always forget Kappa. our Kappa? Yeah, and Kappa. Those guys were allowing sacks a lot. So it could either go to, uh, offensive tackle or offensive guard is what my number one need would be. Uh, my number two need is defensive line, your defensive tackle, just like uh, Justin said, your interior. You know, our run defense was not good. It was awful. And then, and I know last year I was a big Sam Hubbard, the Cincinnati kid kind of supporter. But after his play last this last this 23 season, you know, he's always been a presence. He's always a good run support guy. I didn't see the run support this year. I really didn't. I don't know, maybe I was watching the wrong games or something, but I think that we need also need a little bit of edge help too. You know, so it could go defensive tackle or it could be, you know, an edge, you know, maybe or maybe they bring in Murphy, you know, to help. But also, you know, one thing I've been always saying is, is they always put Trey Hendrickson on the right side. He's always on the right side. He doesn't move. They need to start doing some moving. They need to start moving these defensive, these, you know, these defensive ends, these edge rushers and not have them just sitting at the same position. Because after a while, you start playing that same position over and over again with that same left tackle over and over again. That left tackle is going to finally figure you out and be like, okay, he's going to do this. So I think we need to see some different um, – some some just different kind of defenses. Um, number three is tight end. Tight end, we've been I – th- I think that's like one of the biggest pieces for our offense – is the, the is the tight end. You know, we've been struggling at tight end for how many years now? You know, we had we had Uzama. Uzama, he was your, you know, every once in a while he'd have a flash and you know score, you know, 40 yard touchdown or whatever. Then Hurst came in. Hurst was kind of the same way, you know, had that play that happened every once in a while. But we need somebody, you know, that's gonna be able to block and that's going to be able to catch passes. Not we, we don't need to be switching out every play. Oh, well, oh, you know what? We're going to run a play, so we're going to bring Sample in. Oh, or we're going to pass the ball, so let's put Hudson out there. You know, we can't be doing that all the time. We need somebody that's going to be in there that can do both and stop this whole, oh, we don't know what the tight end identity. It's like we have an identity crisis in tight end for some reason. I don't know why. So I believe the tight end position is number one. Like I had said before, if if Brock Bowers happens to drop to 18, if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm running to that damn podium. I'm running to that damn podium, and I'm drafting that kid. Because last year, we missed so much talent last year in the tight end position. And where are we now? We're struggling at the tight ends. Um, number four. 
for me is running back. I think we need more support for Joe Mixon and for uh, Chase Brown. If, if Joe Mixon stays or if he goes, we we need somebody. We need somebody. And believe it or not, the one guy that I, I know, I'm a homer, I'm a homer domer, but Estime from Notre Dame, I would love to see him come to Cincinnati. But here and there and there, you know, whatever. But number five, I had I had a – I had to think about number five. At first, number five, I had wide receiver core. And I was like, I believe over time in the, the 2024 season, it'll work itself out. I, I believe that the wide receiver core, we have, you know, yeah, I know we're going to draft a wide receiver in, in the draft. I already know that. We got, you know, we're going to probably pick him up fourth or fifth, maybe sixth. We're going to pick up a wide receiver. You know, yeah. Is it a need? Is it a want? Yes. Is it a need? I don't think it's a need because of what we have in our wide receiver room right now. With T. Higgins, minus Boyd, you know, with Yoshi and with Jones. I think I think that wide receiver position will work itself out throughout the 2024 season. But my number, my, my biggest number five, though, is cornerback. Because, you know, we're gonna lose a, we're gonna lose a Wuzie unless you know there's a miracle and we actually resign him. I, you know, we need more help. Mike Hilton's gonna need help. I know we got CTB and we got DJ Turner, but as we saw last year, DJ Turner, he was getting enough. He was getting picked on a lot. They were teams were picking the Pittsburgh Steelers were picking on DJ Turner left and right man and i felt so sorry for that kid because he's he's like all gas or no go one or the other it's like what do you do you know when you got when you got george pickens who was toasting you we need some more help so those are my those are my top fives and i know our list different but it is what it is but you brought up cornerback, and I wanted to bring this to your attention because um, I had to put that as my honorable mention instead, you know, along with the wide receiver, even though I went with the wide receiver route because that as a sneaky need. But corner is right there, too. I, DJ Turner is, is, is he's not proven it yet. Again, yeah. I gave a little bit of edge to the wide receiver room because the, the cornerback room is going through a youth movement and they did invest with draft picks. We got DJ Ivy, who they drafted in the back end of the seventh round. He's yeah. shown some flashes too. Unfortunately, he got hurt. What if right. he comes in and just starts lighting the world on fire with actually a full training camp? But at the end of the day, the cornerback room, it's not enough. DJ Turner being on the outside, that's not good to me. So we'll, let me throw this proposition out there for you. What if we trade for a guy like Jair Alexander and then move DJ Turner in the slot to then be Mike Hilton's future replacement? When, Mike would, when it's all what do you have to him? give up for him? Though? Yeah, what do you have to give up for him? But I would agree with you. It would probably it would fix it would fix our need completely. For sure. But what are we giving up? What are we what are we giving up to you know to actually get you know to get him? Well, he already signed his contract extension. I believe it was a five year worth of hundred million dollars or something like that. It was on par like with Denzel Ward. So you're going to be mm -hmm. eating that salary, number one. Uh, number two is if you are going to invest in some draft picks that you got to give up and replace for them, as long as it's not like really high draft capital, because he, Jair Alexander has had a little bit of injury history himself, too. You know, he hasn't played all eight, 17 games last season or even the year before that. So I would say like maybe a fourth and a fifth, you know, in future years or this season. And I mean, this draft, a fourth and a fifth in the next year's draft. Plus, I'm taking on his contract. Uh, I'll make that move 100 percent out of 100, in my opinion. Just because you got to invest in that position the right way. And also, it's a move that insinuates to the Bengals fans that you're still going for it all in 2024 when you have the ability to win the Super Bowl. And again, going back to receiver, that is assuming that T. Higgins does sign an extension and does not get tagged and doesn't walk in free agency. Because that can still happen. And we have to be aware of that. He was on a media role just yesterday, last night, talking to guys like Andrew Siciliano, Bridget Condon, you know, on NFL Network. And they, I just feel like that they would just keep picking at the bits about free agency, like where you want to go and stuff. And it was like they were just trying like hell to get them out of Cincinnati. Like, come on, man. But it's, it's, it's a fun conversation. But I do agree at corner, man. So I, I just had to throw that up.
Yeah. Yeah. I also have kind of an OLI on my top five as well because I was dead heat with also cornerback being my OLI. Um, my reasoning a little bit different. Um, I think, uh, you know, cornerbacks normally take a better step in, in year two. Um, I like some of the guys we have, but losing Cheeto, you know, we really have the Mike Hilton's kind of the, the senior leadership in the back end of that defense. I would mm-hmm. love to bring a corner in this year to play with him because we saw what happened when we didn't bring a safety in fast enough to play with them. Um, our safeties at the end of the year, I think they ended up being very good. Mm-hmm. They played pretty well the last, you know, four or five games. But there was some learning curve there that I think by bringing them in a year early, we could have kind of quelched some of that a little bit. So I'd like to bring in a corner to work side by side with Mike Hilton and see what it's like to be a pro. Um, my 5A, though, would be guard. Uh, I've not been the biggest fan of Volson. Kappa had spurts this year where he looked like he was getting pushed around too, uh, much to Tim's point. But another big reason pretty good class when it comes to the interior offensive linemen. So that's the reason why I have them at five. I think we can get somebody in those later rounds that are really good. Uh, my fourth need wide receiver, also a deep class of wide receiver. Part of the reason why these might wide receiver might have slid down and guard might have slid down a couple spots for me. Cause I feel like you can get somebody in that depending on, you know, are you going to resign T or are you not going to resign T? You're going to pick in either round two, three, or four, right? Um, number three, tight end, quite frankly, because we don't have one on the team. Um, think we There's should so have obvious. at least one, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, preferably one that can run and uh, that can pass and block, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, run and block. That's running back. We need one of those two. Um, but pass and block, do both, like you guys have talked about. Um, the problem is not the tight end class that we had last year. Number two, and this is a, a, a big need for, for me because we were 31st in rush defense this past year, and that's defensive tackle. Now, the senior bowl did not help defensive tackle positions out. They got pretty much put on skates because of the offensive interior line. So that's going to be a rough one. Um, I, I have a feeling that we're going to have to take somebody in the top three rounds to get any impact out of that position. So that that's going to leave an, uh, you know, kind of an odd man out situation with one of these other groups, I think. But my number one um, is going to be right tackle. And I'm going to give you three reasons. Matabuque, Garrett, what? and a Watt. <laughs> I'd like to block those three guys. Mm-hmm. So I think right tackle is a situation where you're going to see us bring in somebody to compete and draft somebody in those first two rounds, um, depending on where they've got people slotted at as far as uh, graded. But I, I think you need to have that. That can't be a question mark going into this this season with the, with those three guys on defense roaming around. Now, you know, Miles Garrett doesn't always go over there. They move him around a lot. And Metaweek is the same thing, but it is interesting. Yeah, Tim. So I have, a, I have a question. I have a question for you guys, actually. So what if Jonah Williams re-signs with the Bengals? First and foremost, I'll take that question first. I, I wouldn't like that personally. I think that you're doing yourself a much disservice, if anything, because I feel like the old line performed just as the same, if not whatever, average. And that was with Joe Williams, even though I think that he played well at right tackle. But now you're asking to allocate more money in that when he just requested a tra- trade demand last offseason, the Bengals tried to trade him. So I, it's to, to me, here's the reason why I didn't bring up the, the um, old line position on my needs list, even though I know it's a position that has to be invested this offseason, especially more specifically right tackle, like both of you said, it's because I already went into this already assuming that Jonah Williams is far and out the door. And you you automatically know you got to submit a replacement for him. 
And if you're going to allocate money to Jonah Williams and give him what his market value was going to be in this free agent class, because he's going to set to hit the market pretty high, then that means that you cannot. I mean, you can still tag T, but you already know that you're going to take some hits somewhere else, be giving all that money to him. Whereas with both of you said, Brandon, you especially, you got a you got a deep tackle class coming out in this draft, and I do expect the Bengals to be in the market of drafting one of these guys, whether if it's the first three rounds. I'm not saying you got to pick one of the top five guys, but and, and I don't, and I say this like I'm a Jonah Williams hater. I'm not. <laughs> okay, but, so I'm gonna address this. I, I want to address. Wait, Brandon, one minute, okay? So let's forget about what Jonah Williams, what happened to Jonah Williams at the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. okay? Jonah Williams. 1,000, over 1,000 snaps he took last year at right tackle. Position that he didn't want to play. He only allowed eight sacks. I know that you want to bring up last year, but what if Jonah Williams kind of went, I'm better at right tackle, and he wants to stay at right tackle. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he comes to Cincinnati, and he comes to the Bengals, because he is going to be a top priority for any sure. team out there in a free agency in, in a heartbeat. But what, what if, cause we don't know what, what happens behind closed doors. What if Jonah Williams does resign? What, what if, cause I still believe after all these years, when, when we drafted Jonah Williams, he was a horrible left tackle. He was probably one of the worst, one of the worst left tackles I've seen in Cincinnati. One of them. I wouldn't one put him. Them. I wouldn't put him. I wouldn't put him that but, bad. On, I mean, he was average. He was average for he was. But he was not he was good. Drafted. How many times? How many times? Yeah. Has Joe Burrow been sacked with Jonah Williams at left tackle? I, I okay. get that, man. I get your point. Right. So my point is this: is if the Bengals happen to work out a hometown deal with him or get a deal with him because he wants to stay in Cincinnati, and I, I haven't seen anything or any talks about mm -hmm. Jonah Williams or anything from Jonah Williams in the media, I look every single day because I want to sure. really want to know what's going on with him. I believe, like I said, I believe that this is his best year he's had with the Cincinnati Bengals in, ever since he was uh, drafted by the Bengals. So, so if we re-sign him, what's your number one need going to be, Brandon? Or, you know, what's your, what's your need going to be instead of a right tackle? Same thing for you, Justin. Instead of a tackle, what what, what else are we going to go after? Ain't nobody going to know until we take this quick break and listen to our sponsors. <laughs> we'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back to Running Through the Jungle. I'm your host, Brandon Harry, cutting everybody off. Right that in was the a great, middle. That was thoughts. great. That was, that was close. Uh, <laughs> Tim had the breaking question before we went to break to Mr. Justin Lacey and myself. Um, I didn't get to answer the first part of the question. So before I talk about what my needs would change and stuff with right tackle, because obviously it'd be D tackle would be my next in line here. Um, but here's my take on it. What would Jonah Williams want? Because I'm not giving Jonah Williams $20 million. Max. Maybe 14 somewhere in that time. That, if that's the hometown discount, all right. But I'm probably only giving him two, maybe mm -hmm. three years, because he's going to turn 27 this next year. Yeah. So with all that said, he was unhappy last year, demanded a trade. 
So if I only give him two years this year, guess what I'm going to do? I'm still going to draft a right tackle. And then he's going to be pissed off again. Or if I give him three years, I'm going to draft a right tackle next year. I mean, I, I, it sounds like we're putting a, a like a Band-Aid on a bullet wound to me. Thank you. And uh, quite frankly, that was in, – and my answer was going to be exactly that. The thing is with Jonah Williams, the reason why he was upset and requested a trade last year was because the Bengals didn't inform him with the minute that they signed Orlando Brown Jr. But when you were sitting in the position, we all wouldn't. <laughs> it felt like that the Orlando Brown Jr. signing was almost like, where were you during the night that it happened? Because it happened so late in that evening. And that yeah. was the thing. They probably struck at an hour where they felt like it was a golden hour. They didn't have time to inform everybody what was going on when he was available. And it, it, it was a whole big behind-the-doors mess that we don't have time. But I understand why the Bengals didn't do that yet. But I understand why Jonah was pissed off. You know what I mean? Like, But at the end of the day, Jonah ain't looking at it from a micro, from a macro view and be like, okay, the O-line as a whole played bad, and that includes me within that unit in 2022. Okay, yeah, 2022. It played bad as a whole. You did what you could to try to patchwork some pieces and whatnot, but it just wasn't good enough. Like you said, man, he was allowing sacks so much on the left side. You know, he can't block TJ Watt. He can't block Miles Garrett. It's just awful. But when he's on the right side, he did have his best season. And I do give him respect to that. But just like Brandon said, it will have to be on a hometown team friendly deal. So that way it's not me breaking the bank because I want to bring in more impact players on my team. I got mm -hmm. extensions to do like T Higgins and stuff. And also, I'm still going into the draft and drafting one because I do prepare for life after Jonah regardless. Signing Jonah Williams to a two-year deal or three-year deal, and that's a team-friendly deal, ain't no different than like if the Bengals were to sign Jermaine Illuminor, who's been putting on social media about defending Joe Burrow and stuff. I already yeah. feel like he's going to be a Bengal. That would be one hell of a guy that we can bring on our team. Or a Trent yeah. Brown and stuff like that, and then let him play right tackle you still have to invest in that position because, as I stated before, the draft is where you find the value. Think about the Jamar Chase draft between Panesu and Jamar Chase. They were both great players, and they both panned out well. But the reason why we were – well, myself, I was Team Chase was because he provided the most value on the team, more so than Panesu would, even though he addressed the biggest need. And that's how I'm looking at it. Jonah Williams will fill a need. <laughs> like, you won't have to pigeonhole yourself and draft the right tackle in round one. But if that boy from Notre Dame, Joe Alt, let's just use him for example, if he yep. slides all the way down to 18, which I do not see happening, the Bengals, like you said about Brock Bowers, the Bengals better run to the podium and say, mm -hmm. number 18, Joe Alt. Mm -hmm. And then we're back in the same circle with Jonah Williams. Yeah, yeah so I, listen, and I don't say any of that to slight Jonah Williams. I think he's had a pretty good career. Um, he's been a hard worker. He had definitely had his best year last year and did a, a really nice job moving over to right tackle. And I think it's going to end up helping his career in the long run uh -huh. um, and, and more power to him, man. Get like, get your bread. Like, you know, hopefully we'll see you in the Super Bowl. Go to the NFC. So I don't have to listen to you in the AFC. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, that that's, the, the, it's the one thing that could change about, all of these, I don't think it's re-signing Jonah. I don't think – I think that ship's going to sail. Um, listen, the T thing I think is is really up in the air, but we're going to know because of the signing bonus on March 13th if we're going to have Joe Mixon back. I expect to have him back. I'm yeah, not saying that I expect that to be the wisest move, but – I would be surprised with Duke Tobin and what this leadership's done so far to rework his contract, add that second year, and take less money for them to cut him. Um, yeah. Although I be, think it would be, nice. be the most – maybe a little cutthroat, but I think it would be the best move. Just saying. And if their reasoning behind it is cutting them because they want to add more to the salary cap pie thing, reference that they keep on throwing out there, that's not good enough for me neither. Because it's not mm -hmm. like Joe Mixon's breaking the bank with this cap hit. 
You know, and he right. earned that contract. See, that's the thing that people got to understand. Initially, Joe Mixon earned that four-year contract extension that he signed off of his rookie deal. So, I look, man, I know we can get into that in a whole big, another different talk, but that can't be the only reason to justify Unless if it's a mutual parting of both ways in that sense for Joe Mixon in the front office, then I understand. But my thing is, man, trade him. Ask for him to like he can come to actually like, let's I mean he has some trade value. He's making nine million and there's ten million dollars is the 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 tag for for a a running back this year. Right. Get, but he's only making five, I thought. I thought his no. cap was only five because he we worked. He took a pay cut. He's last got year. dead. He's got dead cap money, but his his total number this year is eight three seven five. I think something like that or eight seven three five. Something. Is that not a, is that not incentive based? I think some of that might be incentive based. I don't know how much of that is guaranteed, but you might be right. I I got to look at the final number on that. I just know that it's not a lot, you know, to for them to. If it was a situation where they were just slightly like ten million over the cap. This see this offseason, then I see, then I say, yeah, okay, that might be a movie you gotta look forward to making at some point. But man, they got the one the six most cap space in the NFL, man. It's not a move you need to make right away. And it still shows that look, we, he's still a part of the team, invest in the position in other ways, add more pieces to the room, and still go for it. But um, I, I, I digress from that point. His cap hit for the 2024 is uh eight eight five zero. Eight eight five zero. Okay. Dead mm-hmm. cap would be two million seven five. So that's almost three million dollars in in uh, in signing bonus and whatnot. And so so five seven five would be his yearly cash. But that, I mean, that's yeah. He's he's an eight 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 five. So almost nine. Okay. It's a lot. And I don't. And, and I don't see them re-signing him after that. After after, if, if he's staying around this year, you know this 2024 season. You know the Bengals they don't usually keep 29, 30 year old running backs. So, I think he's only 27 right now. So, no, yeah, he'll be 20. Yeah, he's, he'll be 28 this year. Yeah, but he'll be 29 for the 2025 for future years. Okay. Year. Yeah, that's why I was saying 29, 30 year olds. Yeah, I um, I, I listen. Am I going to be upset if Joe Mixon's on this team? No. Do I expect to have Joe Mixon and T Higgins on this team? Also, no. I mean, you got if you do, you got both of them for one. Yeah, that's the way I think it's going to play out. Yeah, we'll see. There's a lot to go on between now and then. Like I said, you know, uh, we have a long off season. The, we have a long off season, man. Go back to the uh, the mock draft comments. There's a lot going on this off season for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Livingston, our secondary coach, uh, shortly before we came on here, was um, was said to be um, going to be announced as the new defensive coordinators for Deion Sanders. And the Colorado Buffaloes. Guys, any thoughts on that? Anybody want to take anything? Tim, you want to take a swing at it? Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I had no idea who he was until I saw that post before we started the show today. And I was like, Well, good for him, you know, a Cincinnati Bengals coach or assistant or you know, secondary coach, whatever he is, you know, good for him. You know, prime times going out there and grabbing a, a Cincinnati Bengal, you know, coach. That's about all I got for. I ain't gonna lie to you. I don't. I ain't gonna make up stuff. And uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't even know who he was. To be honest with you, like I said. Uh, what about you, Justin? Anything? No, no additional thoughts. You know, I, I'm I'm familiar with him. Um, I knew he was our secondaries coach. I didn't feel like that he was a guy that was in the running to be a future defensive coordinator for his defense. If Luana Rumo was supposed to get a head coaching off a job this parent, this, this off season, um, quite frankly, in the same bucket as Tim, I'm just happy for the guy, man. Like I want to see guys get opportunities to excel in their coaching careers, whether if it's in college or in the NFL, 
I think that what we need to stop doing as a Bengals fan base as a whole is get salty when we lose guys like on our team, whether it's our coaching staff. I think the majority of us was happy for Brian Callahan and yeah. Dan Pitcher that we didn't lose them. But we, I've seen several I've seen a several, uh, quite a bit of people in the Bengals fan base like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we lost them. Man, this sucks. But, yet we're turning around laughing at the Ravens for losing basically everybody on their coaches. Everybody. And really having repl- – yeah, like – and the Browns losing Bill Callahan and their assistant, their assistant to Bill Callahan and going with Ken Dorsey as their offensive coordinator. Like, teams make moves in the offseason. That goes for their coaches too. Like, they have to. Their con- whether it be their contract is up or guys taking positions somewhere else. We got to stop with this notion of man like that. Everybody can't be lost. They can, and it mm-hmm. happens. So, but otherwise, man, I'm I'm happy for the guy, man. He's getting an opportunity to excel his coaching career, and it's about time to do for this Bengals coaching staff for them to get their due diligence. As we already saw with Brian Callahan, as I mentioned, Dan Pitcher took a promotion to stay with us as an OC. He knows what the mm-hmm. smart move was, and for Robert Livingston, like I said, I ain't see him being a head coach anytime soon. You know, at least in the NFL, I didn't even see him being a defensive coordinator replacement anytime soon unless somebody else were to badly need uh, a defensive coordinator that was just not good on defense and all the other pieces were taken. Well, he he's available, but he's also joining a really good program with Deion Sanders to kind of get those men to shape up a little bit because that was the weakest side of the ball. It was awful. <laughs> that was the weakest side of the ball with the Colorado team this past season, man. Like, I didn't really care to watch too much college football, but Dion just kind of had me entertained. He so, but then I really saw that defense with some weaknesses. So yeah, yeah. Rob, Robert Livingston and and Dan Pitcher, one defense and one offensive side of the balls were the leftover the 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 runover from the Marvis Lewis or Marvin, Marvin Lewis era. So yeah, I heard I saw that um, too. Good on both of those guys for. <laughs> going through those ups and downs with us and making it to a Super Bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish I wish him nothing but the best of luck. If Deion Sanders is uh, picking the secondary uh, the secondary um, coach to be um, uh, defensive coordinator, I would probably say pretty good. Probably talk Ooh. ball pretty well, my guess. So good luck on him. Uh, before we get cut out of here and i'll use that uh as a little segue to we're going to do a super bowl preview here but when you cut out of here after you hit like subscribe share tell a friend to tell a friend uh give us those five star reviews all those things when you get out there go see cut to the chase where you can listen to Justin Lacey and uh, Chase Younce really cut it up and get a little bit deeper dive into this Super Bowl preview. Um, We are going to give you our thoughts and our predictions on this game. And uh, since you're up in the corner, I might as well start off with you, Justin. Justin, how do you see this matchup going? Uh, The Chiefs are two-point underdogs and uh, over under 47 and a half, and I'm assuming there'll be billions of dollars bet in Vegas this week. How do you see it going down, my friend? Well, I feel like if you ask the Chiefs fans, man, they're going to be playing a whole nobody believed in us narrative again, you know, like they did a little bit last year. I mean, look, man, we stop with all of that, man. We didn't really buy into the Chiefs how they looked offensively this season. They were terrible. You know, they just they just wasn't good. And it wasn't because Patrick Mahomes wasn't good. He was good. Travis Kelsey was had the, the case of the dropsies. It's like he was playing with the yips. And it feel like that once the playoffs started, the yips kind of went away. But the receiving room still playing with the yips. So, and it's not like that they wowed you all postseason long. It was just that their best players turned up when they needed to turn up the most. And that's what ended up happening. And it was more or less a series of the Chiefs, the team around the teams around Kansas City really kind of melted down the stretch. And they were the recipient and the benefit of that. So that's how I see them. And for the 49ers, they were already the projected best team all season long. You know, I know that after they took that big shellac in Baltimore on Monday night late in the season, they almost felt like they stood up pretty much woozy trying to regress their footing because it's late in the season. You got to make a postseason run. 
And so they kind of looked a little bit shaky a bit in their first two playoff games, but they still pulled through. They still was able to make it this far to the Super Bowl. And quite frankly, while I know you don't really want to bet against Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, they're like the new Tom Brady and the Patriots. I know the dynasty word is going to be the thing that's going to get talked about quite a lot within the media nation is that will the Chiefs get their third? And it's already being written and set in stone that this is the presumed dynasty. They are already the pre-anointed dynasty after their first Super Bowl. Now they're on the quest for number three. I do not, I'm not going to be surprised to see them winning it, but I am not going to pick the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm still going to stick with the San Francisco 49ers. I think that Kyle Shanahan deserves his just due. He has gotten his team to the doorstep this far many times. And it is about time for him that his team matures enough to finally get it over the hump. It's going to be a nice little close game affair, in my opinion. I I didn't give a score prediction on uh, for spoilers for the people that will listen to the Cut to the Chase preview episode. I didn't give a score prediction on that show, but I will on this show. Um, I'm going to say 27 to 23 San Fran. Christian McCaffrey, right. Super Bowl MVP. All right. I dig it. 27-23 San Fran. Tim. You see it the same way? No. 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 Like I said before, AFC is going to win the Super Bowl. You know, I know during the, you know, throughout the season, the Chiefs, you know, they've had their struggles, you know, like uh, Chase said, or geez, Chase, what Justin said, um, you know, they had the dropsies going on and all that. But they also, I think they're dealing with uh, offensive line issues. That defense has always been there. That defense has been there the whole year long. That defense has been improving, improving, improving throughout the whole year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has came back into being Patrick Mahomes. You know, is Patrick Mahomes the next, you know, dynasty Brady kind of thing going on? It's a possibility. You know, the kid's talented. He, he's, a hell, he's a smart quarterback. And Andy Reid. Andy, I believe, I, I think Andy Reid spends 90% of his time watching film. I don't care who the Chiefs are going to go against in the, in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl. Andy Reid is going to figure them out, just like he figured out the Ravens. I, I just don't believe that the 49ers have it have what it takes to, to play against the Chiefs, Mahomes, Andy Reid, Kelsey, in the Super Bowl. This is the Super Bowl. This ain't, this ain't, oh, well, we'll see if we can get to the playoffs kind of stuff or, you know, let's see if we can win a game during the regular season kind of stuff. This is Mahomes' fourth quarter or fourth Super Bowl, and he's only lost one so far. So, like I said, my whole thought is is, and don't get me wrong, Brock Purdy has been doing well. He reminds me of, you know, he, he kind of reminds me of a Steve Young. You know, Steve Young came in there, took over for Joe Montana, and he was just making plays and he was running around and, you know, Brock Purdy kind of does the same thing. Brock Purdy's talented. The 49ers are talented. They have a talented defense or the de talented defense, talented offense. CMC is looking outstanding. I'm so, I'm happy to see CMC being healthy and running that damn ball. Like he's just a madman. You know, it, it's awesome to see. Cause I was watching some uh, high school film with him. He was a dog in high school too. You know, and, he, and he's a McCaffrey, you know. We all know who his dad is. So, but unfortunately, I think I think the 49ers are going to be a little short. Uh, my final score is going to be, I'm going to say 31-28 uh, Chiefs. All right. Uh, hmm. I'll tell you what, both of these teams, I think their defense has been what led them all year round. I think they're both going to try to run the ball. Um, you know, I, I've i seen the same kind of running back play really well against this Chiefs team. Rather that's um, Connor from Arizona – Charbonnet from Seattle, Montgomery from the Lions last or two weeks ago. Anybody with a hard running style has had serious success somewhere averaging north of six, 
uh, yards of carry up to over eight. Pacheco, going to run like his hair is on fire. I'm going to take 23 to 13, low scoring game. I'm going to take the under. I take the Chiefs to win. And I got Pacheco to break 100 and get two tutties. I got him stealing the MVP at 28 to 1 odds. That's my that's my take on it. When I, I've seen when going into the playoffs, no one really had any confidence in this Chiefs team. I said in order for them to do it, they had to turn it around the way they've uh, played their game. And they have. They've even though um Mahomes had 39 attempts last week. They still went over in rushing, and they still only had 240 passing yards. A lot of screen game, check down, little stuff. That's who their team is now. So I think you're going to see a little bit more of that. I think you're going to see more running because that defense up the middle, Javon Hargrave is not the same guy he was two years ago. And I think you're going to see some of those things. I I like the Chiefs to, to, to kind of a dull game, (laughs) comparatively speaking, what I would have – if you told me these two teams were going to play going into the season, I would have expected a shootout. But it's just not the way that the style these two teams have played. Um, but I think every, I think both teams do have a fighting chance. I wouldn't be surprised either way this goes, to be honest with you. I'm not actually betting the game on who's going to win. I'm betting a whole bunch of prop bets. So eh, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> My last question for you guys before we get out of here. Are you sick of Mahomes and want him to lose? Or would you rather Joe Burrow be the only one beating him in the playoffs other than Tom Brady? Tim, what's your take on that? You already know what my answer is going to be. I want to see Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr, be the only one that beats Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if they win. I don't, I, you know what? I don't care if Patrick Mahomes wins on Sunday. I don't care if he wins in 2025, 2026, or if he wins never again because Joe Burrow has taken the throne. That's what I want to see. Uh, Joe Burrow is the man. He is the man. That That's just my pick. That, that's I dig what it. I, I feel in. the same way. I feel the same exact way. Make it unanimous across the board. Like, yeah. I just want to see Joe knock him off. I root for greatness, man. I don't have a problem with the mm-hmm. Chiefs winning. They were winning before we started turning around, and they're they're winning since. And yeah. quite frankly, I root for greatness. I don't like to be that hater like we were during the Patriots runs and stuff like that during the early 2000s more specifically because Brandon we were tired of seeing the Patriots win. Brandon we didn't like them, but we didn't like them. But at the end of the day, it just felt like that the reason why we didn't like them was because they kept winning and we just was tired of just seeing them there. We wanted somebody else there. Many of us were Manning, Peyton Manning fans for that sheer simple reason, because he was the only one that can beat Brady. Well, Burrow, we already know Burrow's the only one that can beat Mahomes, like consistently beat Mahomes and beat him when it matters the most. They've been in this spot two times now in the AFC championship game. We won one, we lost one. So it's evened out the record, but we already know when Mahomes and the Chiefs play at their best, Burrow can out can out play him, so that's I just want to keep seeing that because it's just going to continue increasing our value as our fan base, as our organization. I won't say our fan base, but our team, our quarterback, and all that. But the caveat is Joe got to start getting some hardware too and start getting those rings. Amen. Yeah, I agree. Now, listen, I before I before I leave, I just want to say if the score, my prediction is not twenty three thirteen, I would I would make it thirty three thirteen. And that has nothing to do with the fact that I have three and three in the squares. Nothing to do with it, guys. <laughs> Just telling you. Lies. Those are lies. Wait, what happened? Lies. <laughs> ah, you know, I listen. They're both wearing. I I don't know what to say. They're 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 both wearing. They're both wearing red. I'm just going to root for my green. Come on now. Amen. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Running through the jungle. Um, we will be on here next, next week talking about who won the Super Bowl and where the Bengals go from here, as far as digging in more into draft picks and 
changes you might want to see and maybe moving around, shuffling at defensive line, who we're going to resign, who we're not. So plenty of stuff coming for you during this offseason. So check us out next week as we are running through the jungle. Oh, <laughs>